On this week's episode of Midlife AF, I am going to share with you one of my favorite people, Jane Hutchins. Jane joined me a few weeks ago as part of my live AF series for the launch of the Great Aussie Alcohol Experiment in June. And she is a nurse, a um, herbalist, a nutritionist, and she works with women in perimenopause and beyond. And we are talking about rested, resting, and how important that is in a life stage and also how to get it. So over to me and Jane. If you're a woman in midlife whose intuition is telling you that giving booze the elbow might be the next right move, then Midlife AF is the podcast for you. Join counsellor, psychotherapist, this naked mind and grey area drinking alcohol coach Emma Gilmore for a weekly natter about parenting quirky teens, menopause, relationships and navigating this thing called midlife alcohol free. If you're feeling that life could be so much more, that you're sick and tired of doing all the things for everyone else, if your intuition is waving her arms manically at you saying it could all be so much easier if we didn't have to keep drinking, come with me. Together we'll find our groove without booze. This is beautiful Jane. Jane is um <laughs> Jane is do you want to introduce yourself actually Jane? It's probably sure. better that you do it than me and then we'll sure. talk about what we're going to chat about. Okay. So I'm a registered nurse, naturopath, nutritionist, herbalist, and I've worked in women's health for the better part of four decades, which is hard when you're only twenty-six yourself. Um <laughs> so um I Women's health is my area. I'm particularly interested in a couple of things, or lots of things, but particularly around transitions and perimenopause and menopause, and then rest. Okay. So the last few years I've just jumped into rest big time because it's so undervalued and so critical for our well-being. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you are here, Jane. I love everything that you do. Please follow Jane. Jane, can you just say what your handle is for people? It's janehutchins.co. Yeah, so janehutchins.co. And again, obviously, she'll be tagged on this. Um, and we are turning this episode into a podcast as well, everybody. So don't worry, you won't, um, you won't miss out if you, if you missed it live. Um, this is so important important to me talking about rest in midlife because and I know I'm coming from a alcohol perspective but I a lot of the reason that women drink is because they're freaking exhausted and they drink to push through and they drink to push down um, and so so many of the people I work with are in this sort of hamster wheel of obligation and self-judgment and trying so hard to find vitality and looking mm. for vitality in alcohol because it promises it, even though it's the opposite. So I thought it was really important to bring you on, Jane, not just because you are such a font of knowledge, knowledge around all things women's health but because of rest is your specialism and because I think mm. rest is it's got so many nuanced uh issues for us in terms of our belief system around what rest means and so that's all Absolutely. I'm going to say and I'm going to hand over to you Jane to talk about <laughs> rest in rest in, in perimenopause and your interpretation of rest and what rest means to you and how yeah. um how women can get more rest you know well that was that was brave just handing it over <laughs> to you without without some restriction go. some sort of limitation um so yes to everything that you just said and i i really you know it's that, that whole numbing thing yeah for so many women women yeah sure some people take it for fun let's have some champagne and bubbles and yada yada and as you said the promise may not deliver on that 
But I think so much of it is self-medicating, in effect, effectively. But yeah. that's that's really what it is about. And certainly for myself, I my alcohol use was much more about numbing than partying, always. Um, and it's not effective, but it's very clear and easy to understand why people do it. And the exhaustion is real. Like, it's so big. And it can be on a big issue or on a little issue. It could just be because it's been a busy time in women's life. It could be because they've made, you know, twelve or 15,000 meals. And if they ever have to cook a meal for another person again, they might just lose it. Um, and then there's a whole range of physical things that are happening. So the, the physical transition in perimenopause is exhausting. Your body... Most, most women notice things get rearranged in your body at perimenopause with hormonal changes, including insulin, not just estrogen. Yeah. But that metabolic shift in your body happens in your brain as well. It's really weird. So after 45 years of your brain eating glucose for energy, it says, you know, I just I feel like something different. And it, and it wants ketones from fat. It's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Changing gears now. I didn't know that. And because that's our that's hormones that's are going up and down, then it goes, oh, no, actually, I want glucose again. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Back to the insulin. Okay. And it is like trying to feed a fussy family. It's like, well, you make up your mind and settle with it. Yes. But as it goes through those shifts, it's exhausting. Yeah. And you're okay. Your brain doesn't work quite as clearly as no. before and you everything becomes harder and the idea of taking on any kind of program and bettering yourself in whatever way you feel necessary which there is none um is just overwhelming so what we need to do is just step back for a moment or a lot of moments and honor our need for rest absolutely from a life stage from the societal expectations, from the physical things that are happening. Uh, and it, it is interesting because I do and have launched deeply into kind of the medical, biochemical, yada, yada, and all of the different physical treatment interventions that we can do. And I just keep coming back to just go have a little lie down. You know, it's, and we, it's the really opposite, simple. isn't it? It's the opposite of what we think. So I work with so many women mm. and we're like, what can we throw at this problem that we have to fix? Yep. And it's actually, no, you're not broken. And yep. actually throwing any more shit in there is going to make it harder until the point where you go past no return, you know, and you're in burnout. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's not this constant striving for self-improvement. You know, we've all been there, we all do it. It's, it's just how it is. And also the, the thing that, kind of bugs me a bit and we've spoken about this is that that notion that we're selling rest is productive as well oh, yeah. it's like well, off. <laughs> it's, it's rest we don't have to measure anyone by the degree of productivity we don't have to measure an action by whether it's productive or not before saying it's something worth doing we need to honor our, our need for rest we need to honor the fact at this stage of our life our need is bigger you know we've absolutely need to pause reflect see what we can get rid of <laughs> like mm -hmm. just discard be them behaviors or non-functional relationships or expectations your own or others yeah see what we can delegate like have you do, been doing it all yeah. like three four decades now yeah. <laughs> um and seeing what we can defer like do we really have to do that now or can we just go and spend mm -hmm. 10 minutes and do a spot of yoga nidra yes. lie on the floor get a blankie take it down um, there's everything at this stage apart from regardless of how, what your life's like in your brain the changes the neurological changes it's kind of like for a period it feels like a piano that's out of tune so it's all just a bit clunky <laughs> and instead of a say push through we need to step back and quieten to allow things to adjust and to allow ourselves to transition mm -hmm. and to support and nurture that need. If you want to go on a boot camp, you can also do that. Yeah. Like if you want to go do a marathon, they're not exclusive. So it's not like everyone has to sit around meditating 20 hours a day. It's yeah. like have a rest, then you can actually do the things that bring you joy and fun and laughter. And yeah, yeah. 
it's it's also yeah. interesting isn't it i think as well that concept of you know fixing ourselves and you know the answer being to try harder and in fact i had a situation with my daughter this morning who she's suffering suffering from autistic burnout so she's really struggling with nervous system and fatigue and she was trying to get into school this morning and it's it's the trying actually that causes the exhaustion as well absolutely yes. and and we so often forget to stop and say do we, like is this worth trying for yeah yeah <laughs> what is it that i'm burning myself out about and we don't it's, and, 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 you know i was going to say it's so easier said than done because often i think this idea of productivity like you say is mm. ingrained in us from you know early childhood in order to have a, a value in the world we have to create the personality of productivity of being you know on top of it all mm. um, so I, i'd love to get your your thoughts on that jane and how um, how you can bring rest in if your social and cultural conditioning is that your mm. worth is based on your productivity and in, in order to fix yourself, you have to keep doing more. I think the first thing is to really just take some time and reflect and it may may be worth or necessary to do that with someone else in a professional capacity or with a loved one or someone that you trust. Or it may be that you do that most effectively by yourself. And sometimes it's more likely it's going to be a combination of those things. And depending on everyone's own experiences and their understanding of their upbringing and what culture they've brought into, or brought into, I should say, um, you know, different industries even have different beliefs around that um, and I'm really clear that whilst I speak about women and women's experiences it's not to say that other people don't have challenges and expectations that are unfair and so forth so I just want to put that out there that it's not an exclusive domain to be burnt out um, but there is a very strong socio socio-political thing about being quiet don't express your needs anticipate other people's needs be it your boss your partner your child so you're doing all of the things for all of the people and we either don't learn or unlearn how to do it for ourselves so it's taking some time to sit with that and that can be really confronting so that's why i say it can be really valuable to do some of that work with other people and from a rest point of view resting gives you space so you can't do some of that reflective work if you're constantly working through your list either in your mind or on your computer or on your phone or whatever you need a pause and I always think stop leaning in lean out like just back off <laughs> and resting creates a little bit of quiet and when we rest just to be clear we don't kind of jump into nirvana and it's peaceful and silent and full of butterflies there's still lots of noise <laughs> yeah. and some days there's less noise than others but the goal is to just tone it all down so we have some spaciousness to think about i'm in this transition phase of my life how do i want it to go do i want to keep doing the same and you know sometimes we like how we were doing it it just doesn't work for us now or the circumstances have changed, your relationships change, your work's change, your children have grown up, your children haven't grown up yet, whatever. Um, it's just it's reflecting. Does it still work for me now? Yeah. And everything's changing in my body and my physical being. How do I want the rest to be? I've got another 40 years ahead of me. What do I want? And you can't have that discussion drunk. Well, you can, but it's not usually that great. It's harder to access. <laughs> it's probably a bit florid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but having space to just sit with that mm. is really, really important. Mm. And it gives you space to imagine something different. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what's nice. You may so, not want to do 
print, you might just want a little tweet, you might want a big tweet, but you have choice and you have to find that space where you can make that choice and not just keep doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing. Because you wake up and you think, what on earth am I doing? Yeah. And why? Yeah. Who Absolutely. cares? Absolutely. <laughs> it's, um, it's really, I, I, I find it's so interesting how when you're in something, it seems impossible to change. Yeah. When, when you do, you know, you're forced by circumstances outside of your control potentially to change. Mm. You find that actually it's not as that the change was possible. It just didn't feel possible. You know what I mean? It didn't. Yeah, totally, totally. In all right, oh no, a whole range of different aspects of life. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I really like being on the other side is that it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, there's so much in the media, and it's kind of good in a way that social media and media there's more and more about perimenopause and menopause that's fabulous because it's not been spoken about because no. it seems to be worse than talking about period pain you know it's like oh god yeah. don't talk about menopause it's the the great nexus of ageism and sexism it's like you got hit by both at once um so it's been great that there's a lot of talk about mm. it but so much of it is caught up in the really negative perception of it yeah perimenopause yeah. Menopause can be really hard, no doubt about that. The majority of women, it's a challenge but not terrible. Um, but we can't forget the women that it is really terrible Absolutely. for. But on the other side of it, it's just, it's extraordinary. I don't, I'm not quite sure what happens. There's, there's this, one of the things, there's an expression that estrogen is the hormone of compliance. So as your estrogen levels drop, your compliance and your, yes. your, um, agreeability or yes. just taking compromise yes. not compromise compromise yes. so you just kind of wake up and go you know whatever i'm not yes. interested and it's very freeing it's yes. really liberating and i wouldn't have thought that i had that veil yes because i'm quite independent and quite autonomous i but it was there yes. somehow and somewhere yes. still and it's it's a really nice world over here yes <laughs> I, I i it's so interesting isn't it because that idea of for me estrogen's like our nurturing hormone and when external yeah. nurturing hormone and when it starts to um, get less our ability to suppress and nurture reduces um, which can, can be quite confronting for the people around us because it works very well for very for a of people and i'm talking yeah. jobs i'm talking partners i'm talking kids it works it you know it it, it, it makes life a lot easier for a, a whole heap of people when we're compliant and nurturing everybody else and but, doing all the compromise correct <laughs> but it's but it's long term it doesn't because it you know if we keep doing that post when we, when the chemicals are changing in our body we'll be in burnout then we won't be able to look after anybody you know oh absolutely and you know the i'm just going to challenge you on no. one thing i actually don't think we've come this loving and nurturing postmenopause. i think how we address it changes oh. and and i think i think uh for some of us it's the first time we really reflect that back to ourselves yes i agree totally agree totally agree and it becomes more so that changes our dynamic massively it's less externally focused it's less yeah. about keeping yeah. everybody else because i think it's that you know otherwise we'd eat our young kind of thing it's like yeah. that where we have to <laughs> yeah. be looking out <laughs> yeah. and now we get to like it, it, and that's why i love what you do and the work and it really aligns with my way of thinking of perimenopause and, per and menopause because for me it's a becoming it's a creative yeah. time um and it's about it's a it's a it's an opportunity to reassess totally and, and i love the word creativity because the last few years you know everyone does what's your word for the year thing mine has been a competition well not a competition it's been a, a twin thing of gentleness rest Yes. and creativity 
Beautiful. And through my life circumstance, during my study and so forth, creativity is absolutely taken a back burner. Yeah. So I'm really ready to go the full creative. <laughs> I have no idea what that looks like. Um, but I love the fact that I have space for that now in my head. Um, and, and I think it is. A, it's a really fantastic time. And whilst changing that dynamic where you are looking after yourself in a in a more comprehensive, caring, self-compassionate way. Like we're not talking rank narcissism. We're just <laughs> talking you, you have a self you and you need to look after that self. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but ultimately that boosts good relationships. It does. It, it actually makes damage them, so much better. It nourishes them. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's, having... it's, a, it's a really good time. And having those difficult conversations, even though they're scary, is the way that the relationship develops. You know, yeah. it gets, it gets more, it, you know, it progresses. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess there's a couple of things that happen at, well, there's a bazillion things that happen at this time. And one of the things that I see, particularly in social media, is rage but then getting off on rage. Yeah. And I want to be really clear, I've done rage. Yeah. Kind of like it at times. That's okay. Um, <laughs> but but not making that your identity or thinking that's the only way of being. And so often with rage and anger, there's hurt and anxiety underneath yes. it. So sadness and grief. Yeah. And that's the other thing that we don't talk about at this time is that it can be a time of great grief. So that might, might be just had to put your parents into a nursing home and they hate you for it yeah. and you hate yourself for it. Your relationship may not be great. Yeah. Your kid might not be great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your job might suck. Mm. Um, your body hurts. Nothing's working. You didn't get to have that second child that you had your heart set on. You didn't get to have that one child that you had your heart mm. set on. So there is a lot of potential sources of grief, yeah. a reimagining of who you are and am I not the sex pot that I used yes. to be? That's not me talking. <laughs> um, but, you know, all but of yes, those things. I know, um, yeah. And it, it's really, really big. And we, we talk about hot flashes or hot flushes and, like, really, that's not the thing. Like, it's there, but it's not the thing. Um, and being aware of all those issues. And when we talk about feeling burnt out and tired, there's all that non-physical stuff, I mean, relationships, but your self-care, do you stop? Do you, are you validated? Yeah. Are you, do you feel supported? Yeah. Do you give and get nothing back? All of that stuff. Yeah. And then there's a whole, whole bunch of stuff like, well, you've got some inflammation in your brain because of the hormone and chemical changes that you're going through. Your your insulin's out of whack. Your reproductive hormones are going up and down. Your inflammatory markers are high. Your body hurts. You might have thyroid underactivity. You might be spot anemic because your yeah. periods are out of control. Yeah. There are so many physical reasons to also feel exhausted. And it's really important to tease out, okay, what's really the biggie for me here? Yes. And it's not going to be one thing, just a tip. <laughs> It'll Absolutely. be a combination yes. of things. Yeah, it's never one thing. Um, Jane, so it's really been, Jane, do you mind yeah. if I interrupt you for a second? I'm just going to put my headphones on. It might mean that I'm disconnected just because my neighbour has started banging. So bear no with problem. me. You just bear with me a second. <laughs> Not a problem. And hope. Again, yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. So, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, we all do it. You, you're out with friends and someone says, I've got this complaint, and we all go, oh, let me help you. Let me tell you all the things that helped me. Yes. And that's nice, but it can be confusing and distracting and you can take something that's useless at best, um, might be harmful at worst, and you probably wasted your money. So, so resisting the temptation to go and buy all of the things 
to make you feel better because yes. it's probably not going to have a massive impact if you're not addressing the key thing for you because yeah. that'll be different to what your sister needs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, it's so nuanced, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, rest is, rest is precious and it's your birthright. Mm. You don't have to earn it by being productive, as we said before. You don't have to justify it. And it is really uncomfortable if you're not used to doing it. I didn't realise, well, no, I know I've always been overdoing things and I always over-engineer my life. I'm going to rephrase that. I have a history of over-engineering my life. I'm now getting better at it. Um, and my partner used to tease me about it and I didn't realise at first that he was teasing me. He would say, ah, oh, you're stopping, a little bit, little bit lazy. And I would... I mean, it was so obvious, just a deer. Like, it wasn't even subtle. <laughs> he was clearly teasing. But I would bite yeah. and say, I've heard this and I, yeah. and I thought, oh, for God's sake, just shut up. <laughs> just go, just stop. He's, he's, he's highlighting the fact that you're overdoing it. He's not saying you're lazy. But, you know, partners are great at finding your weak spot, your, your tender point. <laughs> um, but it was also really good for me because it's like, yeah, I don't have to justify this for yeah. anyone. I need to clearly have a conversation with myself and that was all. Yeah. And funny you should say that. I had, almost, I had almost that exact conversation with my <laughs> husband this morning. <laughs> 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 so I think it's very common. It is, it is. And, you know, we oh, there's so much caught up in the how do we get to this point and it's very individual, of course, mm. but... I think some of that cultural stuff is really so deeply ingrained about serving oh. that it's, you know, and, and for instance, men of my age, it's just deeply ingrained that you're meant to go out and earn, a, earn the money and yada, 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 and that doesn't help them either because it puts them in a box as well. Yeah. Um, so I think we all need to get out of our boxes and do what the hell we like. <laughs> you know? I love that. And to have self-compassionate self-care. And it's those boxes that are keeping us in this horrendous state of overproductivity and anxiety. I think it's, you know, once Absolutely. we step out of that expectation, those, those boxes, that cultural conditioning, and we can yeah. do it in a different way, you know. Um, totally differently. Even and, and the, everyone, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, you mentioned anxiety there. So where I said earlier, yeah, we have hot flushes, but that's not the thing. No. That's not the big thing. In my practice, it's absolutely anxiety, mental health, fatigue, and brain yes. fog. That's why they come to see me. And sometimes they haven't even connected it to perimenopause. No. Not always happy, I told them. It probably yeah. is. <laughs> so, what do you mean? Um, but once we go through the history, and it's like, you know, you've probably done it yourself sometimes when you telling your story in whatever capacity that you go oh okay right I've got it now and just the telling is sometimes all you need to do yeah. um, but yes the anxiety can really increase and I think something that is helpful for women to know and I know this is not directly about rest and, and alcohol but if you have a history of anxiety in particular but also depression or other mental health conditions in the past it does increase the chance that you'll experience a flare of that in perimenopause in the, the physical transition stuff in your brain increases the risk a little bit yeah. and if you had pms or pmdd or any perinatal mental health concerns that might make you a bit more at risk in perimenopause so i think knowing that might sound a bit depressing it's like great do i not have enough to deal with but knowing that's a risk when you start to feel things that you can you can identify it and say okay I think this is what's happening and that gives you the ability to address it in whatever way that's going to work for right. you starting to feel anxious and overwhelmed and grabbing a glass or ten of wine is not the strategy strategy that will help it will increase your anxieties you know um, so it's, it's I think it's useful to know that and also these women got through stuff before and remembering and drawing on skills and strategies and tools that they've used previously can help at this time 100 percent. 
it's yeah. so interesting as well that um, there's so much research now showing that women who had ADHD as well when they hit perimenopause and menopause that their symptoms become much uh, more pronounced and so that's a lot of the reason why a lot of women are like finding out that their ADHD in um, menopause and perimenopause because of yeah. the impacts of that in terms of things like brain fog, memory, focus, um, yeah. fatigue as well. So that's another another piece in the pie. Yeah, because we, I mean, we, we know estrogen, the whole reproductive bit, but estrogen affects how your dopamine works. Right. And as you reduce your estrogen, you reduce your dopamine, and yeah, ADHD symptoms can really increase. And that's why boys get diagnosed and middle-aged women get diagnosed. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, um, and again, that's all this stuff around the, the politics of psychiatry and the history of psychiatry is a whole yeah. different sphere. Um, but what was it? You just triggered something that I wanted to say, and now I've forgotten what it was, probably about memory. Oh, yeah, it was. Oh, God. We welcome <laughs> exactly. that here. This is a, a perimenopause and menopause right. important space. You're in good company. <laughs> um, so Sarah McKay is a, a Kiwi neuro, neuroscientist. Oh, that's very bad. It's not her correct name. Neurobiologist researcher and, and educator and she has the female brain something like that is her book and she she highlights this fact as well plus it's in a whole bunch of research that women who have baby brain yeah. and women who have brain fog at perimenopause if you take them away from the crying baby and the toddler and the need to do x y and z and all of the things or the work, the family, whatever it is, if you take them out of their everyday environment and you pop yeah. them in a nice little room and maybe give them a cup of tea and some quiet yeah, and do cognition tests, they're unchanged. Yeah. Yeah. So if there is ever any change, it's very mild and it's short-lived and it's reversible. But on the broadly, the perception of brain fog is more affected by the context rather than what's happening in your brain. And in, in perimenopause, it's the same. And when there is change, it recovers postmenopause. So it's that transitional thing. It's the out-of-tune piano or if people are old enough to remember a dial on a radio, you haven't quite got it on the station. And once you get it back on the station, it's like, oh, great, I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that's a really, really important thing people to remember one you don't have to rage two you don't have to flog yourself every day and work like crazy just rest and nourish and care for yourself and if you are feeling brain fog stop rest it's the best thing you can do to quieten the activity and discord in your brain actually there is a researcher i think it was brinton said describes perimenopause, no, Lisa Moscone, who does brain research and, and a lot on perimenopause, that menopause or perimenopause is a time of neuronal discord. So it's just kind of like in your brain at some wild jazz concert, yes. freelancing, you know, just kind of all over the cacophony. Um, but we want a symphony again, <laughs> you know. We want it to kind of sound nice and coordinated and it will get back there. Um, so pressure it more doesn't necessarily help no rest and i think even less so. does i, I even I, so at this absolutely age. it's really unhealthy yeah. just bring everything in a little bit and just cocoon a little bit if you need to think about as i say what can you get rid of what can you defer what can you delegate and have a wee lie down down and do some yoga nature do a meditation five minutes it doesn't have to be some transcendental life-changing four-hour meditation it is brief that's it and the other thing i like about that when i, I used to run um or co-facilitate resilience weekends for the cancer council for healthcare professionals so in oncology and palliative care it was three days and, and we'd always say by doing the these relaxation techniques 
when you feel well, <laughs> when you don't That's feel it. strung out, when you are in that conflict at work and you just freeze or don't know what to say or think you might hurt physically, hit your boss or something, though that skill that you have, that you've trained, allows you to pause for a second. That's it. That's it. And then you can respond, not react. Yes. And it's the same now. So in perimenopause and menopause, having a routine practice of five, ten minutes, that's it. That's 30 minutes you if need, you yeah. can. It just helps when those times come up that you can just go, oh, that's okay. That's it. And all the research shows it's about like doing it the more often and small. It doesn't yes. have to be yeah, yeah, yeah. stints. Like you say, five minutes yeah. every day is just a beautiful, even just sat out on your patio, just spending some time with yourself, looking at your cup of tea, yeah. looking at the colour of a leaf for five minutes and you are yeah. setting yourself up for a less um, reactive experience. Yeah. yeah. And there's, there's some nice research I think Japan and Japan would make sense um, around um, the benefits of walking in nature for yes. perimenopausal women. Yes. So it's not just the forest bathing, which is awesome, mm -hmm. and we, there's lots of evidence around the benefits of yeah. that being in nature, and certainly that's been a key therapeutic intervention for myself over the years, um, but specifically some on perimenopausal women, which I thought was awesome, and showing that, Going for a walk in nature is so much more effective, like reduce your cortisol and your blood pressure and all of those things, than walking in the gym. Like, oh. I live in a really cold environment. I'll walk in the gym if I need yes. to. Like, on the weekend, it was so windy, there's no yes. way I'd walk outside because I'd get hit by a gum yes. tree. So, you know, there are times that walking inside is totally appropriate. But where you can, go out and stick your oh. face in the sun. Listen and, to the you know, it's that grounding as well, isn't it? It's like you're in contact with the earth, you're part yeah. of nature. You can remember that you're not all this stuff that's going on in your head, yeah. that you're like a human being on the earth and get a bit of context, get a bit of uh, uh, perspective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's also really helpful for people who, when you say, I'll do a bit of yoga nidra or meditation, it's like, oh, I can't do that. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. you can. But what can be easier is to go for a walk in the yeah. bush. You can have a moving meditation, a moving Absolutely. quietening practice. It doesn't have to be, again, sitting cross-legged or whatever. You, you can just observe as to go through the bush just look at stuff don't go through your shopping list don't go through your chores just look at stuff um and enjoy being in that space and listening to see if you can hear any birds or whatever um so, yeah really important to know that you don't have to lie still or sit no, still no, it just doesn't work for some of us absolutely absolutely yeah and i i find my because i like to swim and that's really helpful for me is getting my body in the sea. And yeah. just that for me is a real grounding practice. I feel yeah. like the ocean. I feel like I'm part of something bigger than me. And yeah. it's a, that ability to, which you, which a lot of people say is the reason why they drink, is that, uh, yeah. which is really the body wanting to ground itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that it's... Yeah, that's it. I mean, I like the ocean, but that's what I get when I go into the bush. It's like yes. I yes. get a little bit euphoric at first. It's like, oh, I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. And then I just zone, yes. which is great. Yeah. Yes. And, so, and, and um, oh, Jane, I was going to ask you different types of rest. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I mean, there's a couple of different ways of answering that, I guess. Um, you know, you can have physical rest, you can have mental rest, you can have spiritual rest or restoration, psychological, emotional. So really looking at the different aspects of your life and where it needs to calm, where it needs soothing, where it needs nourishing. So it's not, rest isn't passive. It isn't just lying down, but just lying down is also awesome. Um, so, so it is 
consciously and and i've mentioned yoga nidra or mindfulness and body scans a few times but in yoga nidra in particular because it can be so efficient and that can be really great when people aren't quite sure if that's the thing that they want to be doing and you can get so nicely soothed in a really quick period of time and i think that is really helpful um and now i've gone off on a tangent so different types of rest so different types of practices and different needs but you do need to create some space somehow to really reflect and think what are my needs yeah oh and not being passive that's what i was saying so so it's a conscious intentional desire to self-care through resting and you mm. I mean, when you look at kids, they'll run around with our limited energy and then they'll stop because they're tired. Animals will run around and play and hunt and do stuff at play and then they'll have a lie down and then they'll get up again and they'll play again and kids will do the same. And we've, we've forgotten how to rest. Exactly. And you can see it even in culture, like even today with my kid not being able to get into school because of autistic burnout, you can see the clinicians, the medical profession, are just panicking. How could we get her in? It's like, no, it's not about getting her in. It's about her, it's about her recognizing yeah. that she can't push through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, you know, I've, I am one hundred percent in the team move white knuckle knuckle down push through i'll be fine once i get this task done everything will be different once i finish that yes. course you know yes like, that's exactly oh, it we're desperately trying to fix by doing and it's the opposite yeah isn't it? yep yeah do less do less feel more just don't just don't don't do it. What's the Nike thing? Just do it. Just don't do it. Yeah, just don't do it. Let's just leave it today. I'll <laughs> <laughs> still that. Um, but, it, but it is, you know, as, as I said, at perimenopause, there is a huge, it's a huge transition. Yeah. It's a huge, huge physical transition to say nothing of the social rest of your life. Yeah. Um, and we need to respect that and give ourselves of some space and acknowledge that it is difficult it's challenging any transition can bring up stuff whether it's a positive one or not one that you invited um and so to honor that process you know if you want to i know people do have menopause parties so 12 months yeah. after their last period they'll have a party you can do that or you can not just like, have a rest like, there's no rule <laughs> just have a rest <laughs> don't organize something <laughs> But I, I, part like I said, I didn't. But I like the idea of it because, um, like, I just didn't even think of it. But the, I like the idea of acknowledging yeah. that it's something. Hundred you know. percent, I agree. And it, agree. it's a really big thing. And, and and you look at the times where we have as women big transitions so around adolescence, where mm. everything's kind of waking up, and some of just cyclically things. Our neurotransmitters change at different times in our menstrual cycle. And then if you have any hormonal conditions like PCOS or yeah. affected by hormones like endo, then that's another uh, challenge. And then the transition of pregnancy and postpartum each time. Um, or pregnancy even if it didn't result in a baby yeah. for whatever reason. It's still a transition yeah. and a whole associated range of things. Yeah. And then I think perimenopause is just a kind of very dramatic last transition act <laughs> it's just kind of like yeah. okay let's bring it all together team let's yeah. let's make this drag out let's for seven years um, <laughs> that's right. yeah. um but then it's kind of pretty stable yeah. and you've got 40 years ahead of you you need to make it good and you need to have some energy for it and you need to love it like it's your life it's, yeah. we need to love it what, why would you want to do something else and that's such a big challenge for us it's like i think as a women and so many of the women that i work with and you know it's been a journey for me is that you know that self-love learning to that it's okay that you can create an environment that nurtures 
and um, excites you that you 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 get permission to do that. Um, acknowledging, of course, the privilege and the difficulty that people go through, but and that that's you know often people it's very difficult for people to find that space or to feel that they have um agency sometimes but like you say i think it's noticing the small things that we can do that can make such a difference um yeah and thank you for saying that because everything i've said is wrapped up in yeah. privilege so and, and me too so really acknowledging that so much is difficult and some you know for, for women they may have some really difficult years ahead of them yet Mm. or for a long time yet and that's when this is even more important yeah. yeah because they have bigger demands and challenges and biases and poverty and abuse or yeah. racism homophobia whatever it is that they're they're being hit with so finding a little pocket that is just for you and coming back to you, finding a place, you know, metaphorically inside that you can just come back to it and it is your safe place, okay. um, I think is even more important, so to, important to do. Yeah. And, you know, particularly as well with um, women who are um, in the role of carers as well, like that being able to find a bit of space i was listening to christy forbes one of my favorite um autistic um adhd um advocates and educators and she was talking mm. about just finding you know with all the chaos that might be going on you know finding that few minutes to just sit and knit for knitting sake or you know just something small that means that you are not doing others are doing yeah knitting's a great example mm. just getting in a zone mm. Mm. Right? Mm. and and again that's a kind of meditative thing that's get it. in the zone you not think about anything else just get that rhythm you know it it all kind of helps yes kind of soothe and yes carers have enormous um demands on them and they're not supported either kind of individually socially and certainly not a, at a government mm. level they carry so much for society Absolutely. Um, yeah. and uh yeah just tiny pockets i think is really, really important that's it and little dopamine hits as well it's great for um when you're when you're stopping drinking or taking a break from drinking because you get this every time you do a stitch you get a little dopamine hit. it's very exciting <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Well, that's a transition thing because, yes, you need some dopamine, mm. absolutely. Mm. Mm. But also be mindful of if you're then addicted to dopamine. Yes. So, yes. so it's yes. just like, okay, well, another hit and another hit and another hit. What yes. can I do? Okay, I'm going to jump out of a plane. Cool. Now I'm yes. going to do this. Cool. And it's like, well, that's yes. not sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're going to run out of all the things. Um, so, and if you do um, big repeated dopamine hits, yes. it kind of, you get a bit numb to that as well. Yes. So it's nice to spread them out a little bit. And, and I, I think yeah. there's, um, oh gosh, I, I didn't know that the author's name, so it's not even a, a matter of me forgetting it. I've just not learned it. But I um, started, a, a, started about six million books in my bedroom scattered around but one of them is called dopamine nation and I it is that it. thing about Anna, yeah, it, yeah it's brilliant it's brilliant yeah and 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 we dopamine stacks so i'm going to do this in the morning and then that at lunch yeah. and then that in the afternoon and then i'm going to go out for this awesome dinner and it's like that's a that very big day again. yeah it's striving and you're just getting your hit from something else and then the days when you're not doing that become very great yeah yeah so it's, yeah it's, there are days where it's just like awesome 24 7 yeah not a lot but there are <laughs> but spreading it out a bit 
it can be really Absolutely. helpful too because it makes it sustained and, and gentle. You know, as there's Andrew Newman, yeah. he or he writes, you know, just be 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 very suspicious of any activity that gives you a greater amount of dopamine than the effort related to it, because that's going to become problematic. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did I just get a free hit? What was that about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, awesome. So, Jane, thank you for that. I have loved this conversation. I know, and I'm so glad that Meg and Susan are here as well. Cause I'm mm -hmm. going to talk to them later in the week um, awesome. about about um, non-dieting and um, how do we keep that side of things, uh, how do we keep our, our family safe from all of those pressures that we have as women as well. Um, but I wanted you to, for me, this series is, the live part of this series is running alongside the launch of my Aussie alcohol experiment, which is for women in midlife who are wanting to change their relationship with drinking. And I wanted to bring on a group of powerful, change-making women who are talking about the things that matter in midlife and offering mm. a service to women in midlife that isn't about fixing them and isn't yeah. about changing mm -hmm. them and yeah. with that in mind I'm so pleased that you came on and talked about the positivity the importance of rest the different life stage the chemical side of things a lot of which was interesting and very new to me as well um, and I wondered, I'm sure that people will want to work with you. I wondered, would mm. you be kind enough to share what you do, what, what you offer, what your business is, and how people can find you? Yeah. Okay. So I work clinically, only very part-time, so I can see women uh, for consultations. I work online, and I'll... My website is the same handle. It's janehutchins.co, which is also my handle on Instagram. Not on Facebook because it won't let me update my page, but that's a different <laughs> story. Um, but I also have um, a course which I'm launching next month, which is called the Rest Intensive. So it's not intensive as in very, very hard, but rather <laughs> it's kind of contained and it's for a short period of time. So it's four weeks. And the goal is really to just feel less overwhelmed, less brain fog, have some more energy and be aware of where you can really support and nurture yourself more. So I look at or we will look at um, some of the reasons you might be feeling like that because, you know, I can teach someone how to meditate but if they've got gross eye depression anemia, they're still mm -hmm. going to be tired, you know, so we need to make sure we've cleared that. I look at, um, we'll be discussing, I should say, how to nourish for rest yes. and I'm glad you mentioned Susan and Meg there too because yes. it's not around here's this super duper prescriptive menopausal yes. diet you have to go on and it's not brutal and it's not mm. punishing it's about nourishing yeah. all aspects of our being yeah and we you know most people are aware if you're going to go and do a triathlon then you have to nourish that you have yeah. to nourish the activity so you can do it but we also have to nourish to rest. Yeah. So talking about some of, some of that. And women will have an opportunity to play around with a number of different ways to, or techniques for resting, different meditation techniques, different um, you know, nidra, for instance, and sleep. Oh, my goodness. Sleep. We need to yeah. sleep. Yeah. And sleep is disturbed in perimenopause yes. because of hot flushes, but not always yes. because someone's snoring in the bed because yes. they're so busy list making in their head. Yes. My my sister and I occasionally, and haven't done it for a while, which is great. It's a good reflection on both of us. Would say, I think we should just ring each other at yes. three a.m. since we're awake. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We could just have an uninterrupted conversation. So both of us are much better at that. But also, is it because your blood sugar is really low because you've been starving yourself and now you've got a cortisol peak at 3 a.m.? So looking at all the things that we can do to support sleep and what we can do if we can't actually sleep at that time. Yeah. 
and and so we can still rest yes. instead of just get really cross yeah. about and nothing. that's the part yeah. of the problem isn't it that we get so angry about um yeah not, not resting it's like it's almost <laughs> yeah kind of creates yeah. the problem it's um trying to solve totally. so interesting totally. yeah and then funny enough i've got a lady tomorrow who's actually coming on dr olivia uh, louise oliver um, Oliver, I don't know, I said that weirdly. Um, and she's talking about the impact of oestrogen um, on breathing and um, sleep and uh, snoring and all kinds of yeah. stuff. So, um, again, I, oh, I, I look forward to that. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, as a snorer. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but I think, um, is there anything else on that course? Because I'm listening to your that course and just thinking, gosh, how many women that I work with in yeah. my world could do with doing your course? And, and myself included. It's... Um, Look, it's foundational. Exactly. So, so before, I, I think... Before anything else, it's like... Yeah, and that's why I started here because I, I'm really interested in cardiovascular health at yes. perimenopause as well. And I thought, oh, yeah, I could do that. And I said, no, you just have to stop first. Yeah, <laughs> everyone needs to take a moment and and hold themselves and nourish and rest and have some self care and some compassion. Yes. And on that, then you can build whether or not you have to address anything else that's happening. But yeah. this is just foundational, Amazing. and we, you know. As, as I'm sure Susan and um, and Meg will say in a couple of days, we, we kind of lost how to trust ourselves in knowing what to eat. We've lost knowing how to rest and how to care for ourselves. And we've made it this outrageously complicated thing. Yeah. And it's not. <laughs> and sometimes it's really deceptive. And sometimes in clinic, I'll, I, you know, I'll say, okay, well, let's stop all those things that you're doing and yeah. just do these few things. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we have to trust that. We have to trust ourselves. Yes, and it's hard sometimes to do that, isn't it? Because by suppressing our needs, we disconnect from our needs, and so it's coming back to, you know, how do we start being able to access our needs again from a place yeah. where we've been suppressing yeah. them for so long? Well, and you know, if you if you're a mum with young children, you have to suppress your. That's right. Of course, <laughs> like, we do. like it's a bit, it. it's a bit delusional to suggest that she doesn't to some degree. Exactly. Um, it's just whether or not you get out of that habit. Yeah. Um, and and in the course, as I said, it's it's four weeks, but yeah. there will be an extension after it, and we'll have the opportunity to talk as a group yeah. as well, and so some closed group work yeah. and me chatting in a bit more structured way, yeah. but not too structured because that's not my no. style. Um, <laughs> Um, so there will be the benefit, uh, like the, yeah. Well, I think the benefit of community. I think that is a really so strong aspect of any learning and change. Having that support. Yeah, yeah. Other people going yeah. through the same thing. It means everything. Doesn't totally. It, it does. Um, so, right. so will you? I hope. Me, um, have you got the details of that course? Is that on your um, on your, your Instagram at the moment? Or? Uh, um no okay. but how about i put it on there perfect <laughs> i've had to play around i had to play around with the dates because i've just done my final final submission for my phd yeah. and it's been approved yay for me i'm done oh my god hold but on a minute yeah. can we just do that <laughs> i've got my pom-poms you on. got strong <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> you just happen to have streamers i mean who doesn't <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel really underdressed that I don't have streamers in my study. But anyway, um, because that took longer, as always, yeah. than expected, I've had to put back the course and I tried, I actually tried to force myself to do it at the time I wanted. Yeah. And I thought, you know, Jane, that's just a little bit hypocritical. Um, <laughs> so take a little rest Good. and then Good. run it in June. Good. And so, yeah, I will get it back up on my um, Instagram and it's on my website. Um, yes. But yeah, so just literally this weekend, I've said no. You're going to have to change those dates. Yeah, no, good, 
good i'm glad you're doing that that's exactly what you should be doing living yeah no you talk about way right? too hypocritical I, I didn't no, i have to do it all the time. I, I was i was on but i'm really i'm really excited about doing it so yes. that makes it harder too i just want to do it yes but um yeah i need to lie down first yeah have a little <laughs> lie down and then do it yeah <laughs> um beautiful so you'll send me all of that information so when this goes yeah. out in the, pod, in the podcast i'll put all that yeah. information in the show notes um but for now i will put your instagram in there and people can access you from there and your website as well yeah, if you just totally. text those through yeah. to me that'd be amazing <laughs> all right thank you so thank much, you so much for having me on emma it's been really amazing. really lovely chatting beautiful okay lovely. take care <laughs> take to see you bye-bye Hi there, I just wanted to take a moment to invite you, if you're up for it, to join my great Aussie alcohol experiment that is starting on Monday the 29th of May. Very, very excited about it. It's a bit of a strange start date, but I like to start on a Monday. (laughs) This is the program that changed my life. I went from somebody who could only take a little bit of time off from drinking and always felt like they were having a terrible time. I had had some warnings. My um, kid had said to me she didn't want me to bring wine to the um, bedroom anymore and I had fallen into a rose bush and got a rose uh, bark stuck in my near my jugular and my discharge note said pissed fell into a rose bush, which was mortifying. And then I came across this methodology. So previous to that, it had always been really, really painful to stop drinking. It was something I was like, this is going to be awful. I did the alcohol experiment and it changed my life. Within two weeks, I was like, where can I sign up to be a coach? And I was already training to go training to be a counsellor and psychotherapist and this was like the added piece and the reason why was because this methodology is not about stopping it's not about restricting it's about changing the way you feel about alcohol so that you can take alcohol to a place where it is small and irrelevant where you no longer want it. It is a wanting program. It is not a behavioural program. And it's quite counterintuitive to a lot of us because we've been taught that things have to be hard. This isn't hard. This is joyful. Yeah, there's tough moments in it, but it's a process of learning about ourselves. And it's an experiment, right? So it's an experiment which means... We're just trying something. You don't need to make a big drama about it. But it's also an experiment because the purpose isn't abstinence. The purpose is awareness, data collection, information. It is such a good program and I recommend it because it's what led me to take a year off from booze and now I'm three years alcohol, joyfully alcohol-free, and I keep discovering why. That's so so amazing and exciting. But this isn't about people stopping drinking. This is about people seeing what happens if they take 30 days off booze. And the difference in my program is not only do you get videos with brilliant research content about alcohol, about the process of stopping drinking, but you and you get reflections, daily reflections. So you do some journaling, which really helps as well. But on a daily basis, I do group Zoom coaching. So every day of the 30 days, should you want to, you can come and be coached and have accountability with me and a group of other awesome people. That's the magic. That's what I, that's my difference. I, as I said, I'm a qualified coach, counsellor and psychotherapist. And in my programs, we get really deep. We go really deep. And it's really good fun too. We have a laugh, we might have a cry, we have a giggle, and we go deep because a lot of the time we're not drinking, we're not drinking for light reasons. <laughs> we're drinking to escape stuff. We're drinking to escape 
you know, at the stress of our days and stuff like that. So we work on all that sort of stuff, but it's brilliant. Come and join me. You won't regret it. It's a fabulous program and I'll see you in there. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Midlife AF with Emma Gilmore. If you enjoyed it, please share on Instagram for your friends and tag me at Hope Rising Coaching. If you want to help me grow the podcast, please review the episodes for me on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. If you would like to work further with me, please go to my website, www.hoperisingcoaching.com for my free and paid programs or email me at emma at hoperisingcoaching.com. Sending a massive cuddle to you and yours from me and mine. And remember to keep choosing you.